Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Figure It, the podcast where we look at the facts and statistics on Cyprus and figure out what it all means. My name is Fiona Mullen and I'm the director of Sapienta Economics. Today I'm going to be discussing geopolitics with Madalena Vicari, an independent analyst with a particular focus on energy geopolitics. We're going to be looking at recent developments and what they might mean as well for Cyprus, which as everyone who lives here knows, Cyprus is the centre of the universe, the omphalostis geese, as they call it. Um, I invited Madalena to talk today because, you know, I'm, I'm a Twitter addict and there's a lot of uh, people I follow who comment on geopolitics who are clearly either rabidly pro or anti-Greek or Turkish. And what I like about Madalena is that she, not only does she have a very broad and deep knowledge of regional issues all the way from Russia to East Med to EU to Washington and so on, um, but also energy, um, but she clearly doesn't have any kind of flag to fly, so to speak. So so from, from her analysis, it's much more nuanced and I must say far less predictable than, than some of the others. So thank you for, for coming on the programme, Madalena, and uh, welcome. Thank you very much for the invitation, Fiona, and thank you very much for your two kind words. I hope <laughs> I would not disappoint, and I hope that our uh, audience would enjoy uh, our podcast good, and good. find interesting stuff. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So we've had quite, we're talking on uh, Saturday, the 19th of June, and there's been quite a lot of, let's say, Western geopolitics, at least in the past couple of weeks that um, probably has a bearing on Cyprus. We had the NATO summit on the 14th of June, um, the EU's application to join the EastMed Gas Forum, the ENGF, on the 15th of June. And uh, at the end of next week, we'll have the European Council meeting of EU leaders on the 24th and 25th of June. And they'll be discussing, among other things, the EU's relations with Turkey. So, Madalena, let's start with the EU's application to become an observer of the EMGF. Um, I'll just give a very short background on what is it. So, it was it's sort of been in play for a while, but in September 2020, they signed the Charter. It currently has eight full members um, in alphabetical order. They are Cyprus, Egypt, France, Greece. Israel, Italy, Jordan, and depending on your viewpoint, Palestinian Authority, Palestine Authority, Palestinians, Palestine, um, and the US is an observer. The United Arab Emirates applied to be an observer, but has been vetoed for the time being by the Palestinians. And now we have the EU applying to be an observer. And uh, I think you mentioned that's that's probably a, a done deal. That's not going to be vetoed. But perhaps you could tell us, you know, what's significant about this EU application? So uh, EU's uh, upcoming status as the observer, because uh, we hope that it will be a formality, its acceptance. Follow the, fo- uh, follow the following path. Uh, on 23 April 2021, the Commission submitted to the EU Council an official request for acquiring permanent observer status in EMGF. Mm-hmm. The EU Council subsequently approved the Commission's request. And uh, last uh, week, the EU Ambassador to Egypt officially presented to EMGF Secretary General the EU request to join the forum as observer. Right. And in this regard, it is very important to mention, not only for our discussion, but for all future analyses, 
that the possible areas of cooperation between EU and EMGF, as they were mentioned by the EU embassy in Egypt, would be clean energy transition, energy efficiency, and digitalization. Practically, areas of cooperation that go far beyond the initial scope of uh, EMGF. Yeah, which so it's not, is, not really a gas forum anymore. Exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, um, in the future, let's say that in upcoming future, that this area of, of monetization, uh, of cooperation, go far beyond the monetization of EastMed gas. Yes. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, it's not quite surprising this development, given that uh, EU has set up a Green Deal and it's committed to attain uh, the objectives of the Green Deal. So, in a way, a sort of natural development uh, to have new areas of cooperation uh, Yes. Yeah. Uh, with EU as uh, observer uh, member of EMG. Yes. So, does it have, there's been, you know, a lot of talk about the EU, so that you've got the... Um, the skeptics and the and the the pros let's say the eu has stated its ambition if i'm not mistaken to become a, a geopolitical eu so a proper geopolitical player some people laugh when you say that and some people <laughs> some people yeah. are more optimistic about its abilities but it part slightly depends what which country they come from to be honest within my own uh, discussions but i'm guessing it, it is this part of the whole Thing of the EU's ambition to become a geopolitical player, or will it have an impact uh, on it? Before to answer to this question, I think yeah. we should uh, also a little bit emphasize uh, why, or uh, talk a bit why the EU is application. Uh, what could bring EU's application? Right. Actually, okay. EU, EU's application could bring possible synergies between yes. EU policies, initiatives, and e, the policies and initiatives of EMGF. Right. Especially in the context of France's presidency or, uh, of EU, which will take place next year, and Cyprus presidency, which is an EU member state of EMGF. Right. Actually, the two presidency, French presidency of EU and Cyprus presidency of EMGF, will start simultaneously in on Gen January 1st. January, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> 2022. So it'll be a big uh, six months for... Um... Probably for the EMGF then that month, uh, that, that part of the year. Yeah, one year for uh, EMGF. Uh, but six months of common synergies that could be developed, you see, mm -hmm. between, uh, between EMGF and EU, uh, uh, tight synergies eventually. So if those synergies would result in successfully implemented, initiate, successfully is very important word, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> implemented initiative and policies, EU's influence and role within EMGF on one hand, but also the role of EU states who are members of EMGF on the other, uh, could, could increase. So expansion of areas of cooperation, clean energy, as we said before, clean energy, mm -hmm. clean energy transition, energy efficiency, digitalization, lay the foundation for a far larger scope of cooperation than gas monetization. And EU could be either a facilitator or a driving force or mm -hmm. one of, or both of yeah. them uh, for uh, this cooperation and for future policies initiatives touching uh, these areas of cooperation. Right. So it's really down to, well, it's very, especially down to France, how much gets done in the, because the rotating EU presidency is only six months, right? So yeah. um, I guess a lot, a lot of weight is on France's shoulders if 
if this is going to be something uh, that feeds into the EU's, the EU's geopolitical ambitions. Is that right? Is it very right? Uh, and we, uh, it will be interesting to follow and to see whether France would prefer a development of greater synergy and use EMGF to develop greater synergies or would use EMGF for more power projection. See, uh-huh. we all it or it is it only <laughs> will it only be for France or it will will it be for the whole of the EU? I guess. The... <laughs> I, I guess it will be more. It will be mostly for France uh, uh-huh. uh, having the presidency because uh, it's clear that Fra- France would would, would 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 be the driving force or some and has important ambitions uh, in uh, regarding EU's foreign policy. Right. But getting back to our core question, if EU's uh, application and future membership as EU, as observer member of, of EMGF, could add more geopolitical uh, clout to uh, EU's uh, influence in uh, the region, I would say mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. I'd say that if successful, as those synergies could also could clearly increase EU's geopolitical clout. But again, successful is the, is the most important, is the key word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and impact the existing geopolitical feature themselves of the EMGF. I mean, for our audience, it is relevant to mention that EMGF was initially conceived also not only as a vehicle for gas monetization and so on, but also as a possible unit of regional security complex, right. driven by energy securitization rationals. Mm-hmm. Put differently, EMGF's initial aims were to securitize the energy interests of its members, member producers' countries, Cyprus, Egypt, Israel, mm-hmm. along with transit and or consumer countries by fostering regional cooperation and developing a regional gas market. Yeah. Creating cooperation mechanisms to monetize the region's large hydrocarbon resources and providing an institutional framework of political support for cross-border gas export infrastructure uh, were the key ways which the regional gas cooperation and its monetization would have occurred. But with Mm -hmm. this new dimension of uh, EU's observer uh, status of EMGF and possible Mm -hmm. synergies, the outlook could change for the better, (laughs) for the better for the EU and for the region. Uh-huh. Uh, because if strategized appropriately, the future synergies could help EU to increase its influence in the region, which she pretty likes nowadays, to be sincere, mm-hmm. and play a more targeted and effective role, which also doesn't do it too much uh, nowadays. Yes. And it's worth, yeah, it's worth remembering that in the end, the engine of the European unification and the root of the European Union as we know it today, was an organization with an accentuated energy dimension, the European coal and steel. Coal and steel, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So it would be interesting if we see, see from energy a spillover of, as uh, actually uh, starting from energy and through a spillover of synergies to see more integration in, into the East Mediterranean area. And yeah. it would be fantastic. And But this opens the possibility opens the a window for this kind of development yes i mean yeah just to to sort of poke you about the so you said if it's successful uh, what what yeah what what are the risks i suppose i uh to throw a curveball at you what what are the risks that it won't be successful a whole bunch of um (laughs) arguments i suppose (laughs) 
uh, what are the risks? But the risk could be to um, for EU to not, first of all, to not fully uh, develop this potential to know to uh, to miss some chances actually uh-huh. to miss uh-huh. some chances to not fully develop uh, this potential and uh, to also miss uh, a chance to play a greater role and to enhance its its, its role and to to uh-huh. be uh, limited to stay uh, uh, within the current status I, eu is uh, an important normative power but minor uh, geopolitical player Right. Uh, so this 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 would be the risk, uh, the greatest risk. Mm-hmm. But I would also add that the presence of the United States is an observer member also of EMGF because the United States is already is an observer member. Mm-hmm. Could definitely boost the implementation of more effective cooperation, not yeah. only on horizontal policies within the forum. It uh, could uh, instrumentalize both EU and the US could instrumentalize. Uh, EMGF to exert power projection and pursue um, geopolitical interests. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. So uh, all in all, both the EU and the US presence with the EGMF potentially increases both the strategic features of this organization and its weight. Yes, yeah. significant for the region. It's interesting because actually the Cyprus Foreign Minister Christoph Olivis has spoken about. Uh, given made, made parallels with the European coal and steel community. And at the mm. beginning, people were going, yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's only gas. Oh, gas is finished and so on. But now that I think uh, I've been arguing for a while, if you want East Med cooperation, you've got to go beyond gas and start thinking about energy in a broader context. I think they're already, you can tell from all of the military exercises they're all having, they're already involving the security aspect. But yeah, I think there, there is a lot of potential and I, and I hope it moves in the right direction. But uh, <laughs> what... Um... <laughs> yeah, and, and definitely they should go, I mean, EMGF, the players within the EMGF should go beyond gas monetization, beyond yeah. energy cooperation, should follow the path of the European Union development, go yes. of spillovers policy, yeah, yeah. policy yeah. spillovers, actually, and create new areas of cooperation. Yes, yeah. So that brings me to Turkey, because obviously that's the, the big country in the region which is not a member. And Greece is a bit more diplomatic about it than Cyprus. They say, you know, this isn't an exclusive club, but obviously for the time being, Turkey has seen it as, you know, they, they, they see it as potentially hostile. But things have suddenly started to change in the past week or so, what I jokingly call the, there's been a bit of a love-in between Biden and Erdogan and even Macron, uh, France's president, was fairly positive about the meeting he had with Turkey's president Erdogan as well. So my big question is, you know, if we're entering a period of you know, if we didn't mention also the there's obviously the uh, some of the Gulf Arab countries and Israel are beginning rapprochement as well. So if we're heading towards rapprochement in the region and between Turkey and US, EU, Greece, etc., do you think that how do you see that playing out in the East Med Gas Forum? Do you think Turkey, as long whatever, assuming Cyprus has an incentive not to use a veto, can you see? Turkey as a member of the EMGF or an observer, or 
just a partner or what do you what do you see happening there i think that uh, we are entering at least on short term not exactly on a period of warmer relations but in a period of calmer relations i would uh-huh. say <laughs> i think that we might uh, we might yeah. have um calmer summer in the east uh, yes. i i don't see uh, i mean it, i i don't want to enter now into a broad discussion about turkey because it's not the object of uh, mm-hmm. of our uh, Mm-hmm. of our podcast uh, between the relations uh, of relations uh, of relations between Turkey and the US mm-hmm. or uh, relations uh, of, uh, between Turkey and the EU but it's clearly that there is sort of the escalation the escalation uh, between, so, yes, so it's not a loving yes. it's a yeah it's uh, <laughs> not yet not yet by right. far i mean and this is yeah. very obvious for any observer that it's not over period of escalation it's a which is very good because the rapprochement it's the escalation and uh means most important now is for this uh period of the escalation to last as long as possible and to be and to produce more important development mm-hmm. now getting to your question about development between EMGF and Turkey i think that EU's presence within the EMGF and possibly expansion of areas of cooperation as we described above, can set some wiggle room for eventual synergies, even mm-hmm. cooperation with countries from the region that are not members of the EMGF. And that would be a fantastic development, a very important development for mm-hmm. the region, especially for uh, the cooperation between EMGF and those countries whose membership could be problematic, uh, at right. least on short term, due to the veto instrument you mentioned earlier about uh, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, yes, who's uh, who was vetoed to be a uh, uh, observer member by the uh, Palestinian Authority. Mm-hmm. Also, it could be the case with Turkey, because a possible membership of Turkey uh, could be vetoed by uh, the countries uh, with which Ankara has important contentious issues: Greece, yes. yeah. Cyprus mainly, but also Israeli Israel. Mm-hmm. But I mean. There is already cooperation, energy cooperation between the Emirates and Israel because uh, Emirates, yes. because of the Emirates' involvement in Israeli uh, gas sector, they uh, want to buy 22 stakes in yes. uh, Tamar's offshore gas field. Tamar. Uh-huh. Yeah, Tamar. So these areas of possible cooperation, and here again, EU should uh, strategize appropriate, should not be afraid to play the role of a facilitator, of a mediator, of a driving force uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, between uh, of, uh, in the cooperation between EMGF and uh, other non-members of the yes. organization, other countries of the region that are not members of the namely Emirates and Turkey. Mm-hmm. Those synergies come to the stability of the region and to a greater prosperity. But yes. again, Turkey's uh, membership would be the result only, I mean, would be only the result of an elaborated, of a long, of a complex, strenuous process of negotiations. Mm-hmm. So MGF members uh, with which uh, she has, uh, yeah, with, with, yeah, with which she has conditions issues. Yeah, so this is where maybe I'm a... hopeless optimist when it comes to the Cyprus problem but um even even if it takes a very very long time i have a you know i can't help hoping that all of these developments ought to have a positive impact on solving the Cyprus problem 
But there's another view, and I know the, in fact, again, Christopher Lewis sort of alluded to that this week, was that, you know, all, all of these countries are all um, improving their relations with each other and everybody ignores Greek Cypriot concerns about what Turkey is doing, especially with things like for Russia. But this, I won't go into detail about what that's about, but that somehow it will get away with still doing stuff while um, while making friends with everyone else. But, you know, when I'm trying to be hopeful, I think actually, eventually this ought to, one of the obstacles to regional improvements of regional relations is the Cyprus problem. So at, so at some stage, if this all gets better, presumably, is it the end of the Cyprus problem, which is different from the solution of the Cyprus problem, but either way, it's good for security of people who live on this island. Um, I don't know if you have yes. any views on that. I think that, first of all, it should be mentioned that Cyprus, as a full member of EMGF, again, will hold organization presidency uh, next year and can contribute, can actively contribute to development pertaining the organization, the general development in general, and also can contribute to the future synergies uh, mm -hmm. that would uh, involve EU, EMGF, and e EMGF, could have an active contribution. Mm -hmm. and, and we know, we all know when you have an active contribution, you can also put your, leave your footprint yes, yeah, <laughs> on, yeah. on, on those contributions. Yeah. Now, strictly speaking about the Cyprus problem, you said you are hopelessly uh, optimistic. <laughs> I'm also optimistic. <laughs> I'm realistically optimistic. <laughs> uh -huh. Potentially, EU's presence within the MGF and future possibly synergies between the organization and Turkey, for instance, mm -hmm. if, now we have if as a keyword, strategize appropriately, could have a positive problem because cooperation could in general be a driving factor of de-escalation, yes, of trust yes. building. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, at least at this stage of development, it's difficult to see. It's mm -hmm. very, very difficult to yeah. see EMGF as a critical factor in the solving of Cyprus problem. And yeah. I don't think it, it would be at least on, on short term. Yeah. yeah. For me, the nightmare scenario is that Cyprus uses its presidency to in such a way that it actually prevents the EMGF from developing in a way that will be good for everyone, including Cyprus. So, so it will it will go into it with Cyprus prop, Cyprop goggles on and somehow ruin it. I hope they don't do that. I hope they're more clever than that. I mean, but this this is a bit of the risk. So, um, but that's where what you said before, it's important how France um, behaves as well as the EU president next year. Yeah, but I think that this, first of all, I'd say that I'm, hopelessly optimistic that it won't do this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that not, um, on a more serious note, I think that uh, those risks could be uh, largely mitigated by the presence of EU and the US and the US, yes, yes, who, are, yeah, yeah. who are observer members. Uh, of course, they are not full, full members, but their influence uh, is not negligible. And, uh, yes, indeed, <laughs> so indeed. could be could be largely mitigated uh, by 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 the presence of, of mm -hmm. those uh, important strategic actors. Uh, yes. So yes. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have a, a gloomy picture. I wouldn't hold a, a, mm -hmm. a, a gloomy view about right. uh, Good. about this. And I think that finally, um, let's hope and let's be hopelessly optimistic about the wisdom of political leaders. 
I <laughs> Good. Okay. On that note, I think we can close. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Madalina Vicari. She's an independent analyst for taking the time to talk today. You can find Madalina on Twitter at I think it's V underscore Madalina. Is that right? So uh, yes. Thank you very much. Um, just a quick note on Figure It. It's brought to you by Island Talks. That's the only trilingual podcast station of Cyprus. Um, it's all self-funded. Um, none of the money goes to me. But if you would like to help, you um, you can find uh, Patreon buttons or buy me a coffee buttons on islandtalks.fm. That's islandtalks.fm under the support us page. So thank you again, Madalina. That was really thank uh, you very much. Really also, it was a pleasure. It yes, was very yes. interesting discussion. I think that our well, audience will will find it also interesting. Good. Thank you. <laughs> The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.